Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Taylor Swift has released an album of re-recorded versions of her album Fearless, which she first made when she was 18. Wow, that's impressive, because if I released an album of things I wrote when I was 18, I would be fired immediately. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting idea. I'm surprised more people haven't done this in the past. If, you, if, you're, if you're one of those musicians, and you get into one of those bad contracts when you're young or didn't, stupid or didn't know any better, you just re-record your songs. You, pr- you probably, at this point in your life, wouldn't mind changing them a little bit anyway. You look back on it and think, yeah, I probably should have... You know, I don't like that phrase or that 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 instrument or whatever. You change it slightly, you redo it. Sure. It's a new song. Yeah, I can think of a couple of bands that had that, like their first album was an indie album, and it was just recorded and, and mixed and produced terribly. It sounds awful. Is there anything about the modern music business that makes this easier now? Like, did you know, over, clumsy phrasing? But did Sony Records just have a monopoly on the the record printing press back in the day or whatever? Could, could, was it more difficult for you to, to cut them out? In general, anybody could record an album. If you buy Pro Tools and own a computer and get a microphone, you could make an album now. But, but, uh, yeah, Taylor it used Swift to be is, way more expensive, Sean. Taylor right. Swift is not lacking for funds, but just, I'm just surprised <laughs> no more people haven't just thought, you know, okay, I'm not a You own those songs? Okay, I'm going to re record slightly different versions of them, and now they're mine again. Hmm. Which is really interesting. Yeah, okay. And I keep I hearing it. them a lot on the uh, the country stations because she was more of a country artist back then. So she still owns the publishing, but they own the tracks. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her uh, her song, what is it, uh, Mister Perfectly Fine? Devastating. <laughs> devastating <laughs> I, song. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I hear it a lot, and it's catchy, and my kids like it. Um, uh, the Derek Chauvin George Floyd trial. The prosecution is likely to wrap up any day now. Hmm. They had a pretty big day on Friday where they have a, a, a number of professionals, including one, I really like this, who made a point of the fact that he paid his own way to fly there. He's not only not being paid by uh, by anybody to be a witness or anything, he, he paid out of his own pocket to get there to testify that a person of perfectly good health would have died in that situation. You didn't have to be hopped up on drugs or anything else. You would have hmm. died in that situation. That's some. They're going to have to go at that hard yeah well and they will they'll produce their own medical experts who will say oh no you'd be fine steven crowder the uh, youtube sensation podcaster had somebody kneel on his neck for nine minutes the other day to prove that it wouldn't be fatal but i don't uh, know if that really proved anything at all no it's, it's how you know the exact angle and weight and everything how would you duplicate that you wouldn't not know. to mention two other grown men on your back which makes it hard to breathe yeah that that but seems that ridiculous yeah, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's fairly predictable. There's a certain chunk of our audience and, and you know, a certain chunk of humanity that needs one conclusion or the other. And they're clearly rooting really hard for one or the I, other. I couldn't be more pro-cop. And I think a lot of what BLM has done has just been outrageously awful. But if I'm ever pulled over and you've got me handcuffed on the ground, don't freaking kneel on my neck, you bastards! I mean, that's ridiculous. Fair enough. If you love liberty, you got to agree. But, yeah. um, uh, oh, so we need to do this. 60 Minutes last night. 60 Minutes went uh, pretty non-controversial last night, probably on purpose. They had the Fed chair on there saying the economy is roaring and going to continue to roar, according to almost all experts, which uh, made me very happy. I hope to heck he's right and all the experts are right. The experts have been wrong. 
Every single time there's been a major crash in my lifetime. It wasn't being predicted by the experts. Nope. The sure sign it's a bubble is people saying it's not a bubble. Right. People also say that when it's not a bubble. So, you when, know, it's hard to know. When the value of my house got cut in less, more than half a few years back, none of your experts were predicting that. Nope. So, but I, I hope it turns out that way. And then they had a segment on 60 Minutes about all the uh, unreleased Prince music that's going to be coming out. I mean, that's non-controversial. That's pretty light. Yeah. Uh, Big fan of pornography, Prince. Did you know that? He had an astounding porn collection. Cheat. Which is a shame. Shame he passed. It's a shame he had a porn collection? No, it's a shame he passed early, you know, as a young man. Had a bit of a pill problem. Back to you. Yeah. Um, Well, you're going to start hearing more of his music. But at the end of 60 Minutes, they've only done this a couple of times in their their history. They've been around longer than I have as a TV show. Um, they, uh, They wanted to address the story they did last week on the current governor of Florida, which very quickly it became evident that it was a hit piece on the guy. And an unfair one. They had edited um, a back and forth with him and one of the hosts of 60 Minutes in such a way that it led you the opposite direction of what he was saying. I mean, there's just no getting around it. I would agree. He gave a careful explanation of what had happened and what did not happen, and they cut it out and included only what would support their narrative. And this one is so clear-cut. I've seen these sorts of back-and-forth arguments before, and there's still a little wiggle room on there. There's no wiggle room on this one at all. You watch the full answer, and then what they gave on the show, they're two completely different things, and there's no way that was an accident. Clearly. Um, Anyway, this is what they had to say at the end of 60 Minutes last night. In the mail this week, comments on our story about disparities in the distribution of COVID-19 vaccine in Palm Beach County, Florida. Viewers focused on an exchange with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at a press conference. Some viewers, including a retired newsman, applauded the story. Ron DeSantis will continue to deny, refute, call your reporting a witch hunt. I can only hope that you continue to investigate and expose the truth. But many more comments condemned our editing and reporting. Shameful bias reporting. That is what you're guilty of. You are no longer journalists, but lobbyists and advocates. Then there was this. I've watched 60 Minutes for decades. After your biased piece on Governor DeSantis, I will only watch it one more time, just to see if you broadcast this message. And of course they broadcast I'm Sharon Alfonsi. We'll be back next week. And the whole point of uh, doing that and reading that was, see, see how brave we are. We're not afraid of you. We read it. So there. I like the way they present it as uh, some people think this, some people say this. Well, the answer, uh, you know, who knows what the answer is. Or different uh, different people think different things. And <laughs> By the way, the person who is in support of us is a newsman, a retired <laughs> and, newsman. And not a name I'd ever heard of. So you did news somewhere for a while, and you uh, probably uh, are one of those people that are, are, are in favor of anything that's bad for Republicans, and so you liked it. <laughs> yeah, John St. John, a washed-up DJ who ended up doing <laughs> news and i would like to speak to him and i don't like to understand what his standards are exactly uh boy but anyway so, so weak, 60 but... minutes presenting it as a well you know some people think this some people think that what are you gonna do now well, go ahead watch the videos watch the full answer and then what they did with it and see what you think brutal brutal i'll keep watching 60 <clears throat> minutes but it took a hit there's no doubt it took a hit and that's that's bad news for everybody we need News outlets that we believe in. We just, we need that. We need yeah. it so bad. Yeah.
Well, I may watch 60 Minutes still occasionally in the same way I watch CNN or listen to NPR just to see what the liberal hacks are saying. <clears throat> and this, uh, you know, I've, I've been aware of their lean for quite some time, but I, I would not have called them hacks. No, prior to that's life. not a lean when you edit, the, edit a no. piece like that to give you give people the opposite uh, view. You had you have something you wanted to say about the John Boehner book or whatever, because I'm kind of excited about that. Oh, Former Speaker I? of the House. Yeah, should you add more on that? Oh, more on the John Boehner book, calling Ted Cruz an a-hole or well, something like that? Well, I don't like care about or... that. What I what? care about, what I care about is, um, I am very pessimistic about the state of our politics. Um, and I mentioned oh, the fact right. yeah, that, yeah. uh, the reason Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden both say they haven't spoken to each other since the inauguration, and it's probably not even true, but neither one of them can say that it is, but they, because they get killed from, from their own side f- from, you know, going soft on the other guys and elevating them to some level of uh, respect. Right. So if you know anything about our system of government, you know that's insane. That's crazy. It used to be a Ronald Reagan and Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill. It was a big deal that they were old Irish drinking friends and got together every Friday night for, you know, cigarettes and some booze or whatever. And they're friends laughing. Right. And they'd work out compromises, the rest of it. You know, the other thing that bothers me, and I think we've all observed this in life, particularly, you know, once you pass 40, you realize that maybe it's at work. There's that employee who's been there forever and they've figured out how to scam everything, how to, how to work the system so much they really don't work they don't get anything done i just think and and this is it's a really pessimistic thought and and i hope i'm wrong i think those who would scam the electoral system our democracy our our republic i should say uh those who would scam uh the 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 federal money because there's so much money washing around now it's it's a miraculous amount of money by 20 years ago standard those who would fix and scam our republic have gotten so good at their jobs. They're so knowledgeable now, aided by computers and polling and the rest of it. There's, there's none of our immune system, our, our immune, like our courts or, or whatever. I don't think they're strong enough to kill the, the, the scammers anymore. The scammers being a disease in the body politic. I don't think our immune system's good enough anymore. I just think they're way too good at it. They're tentacles. I don't know if it's a disease or an octopus in this metaphor, but they've just, they've become so capable at fixing the system. I yeah. don't know if there's any defense. The only thing, um, cause w- one thing I liked about the idea of Trump was just blowing things up, being a disruptor, all that sort of stuff. I was really, I was really into that. And what I would like to talk to the super smart people about is I agree that the way we're doing it now doesn't work. The idea that any compromise is bad, that we're going to do all our politics by, you know, if, if power politics, if you've got the numbers, you jam it through, you don't care about the other side at all. This is terrible. But before, when we were bipartisan and supposedly getting along and doing it the right way, we weren't addressing any of our unsustainable entitlement programs. We were running up the debt. Not near as fast, not even close to as fast, but mm-hmm. we were still on the wrong track. We were on the track to ruin before this happened. Right. Two thoughts. Number one, you got one of them right there. As bad as it was, it was better than it is now. And that's just as good as you can do. And and we could have perhaps applied the brakes because we weren't heading for the cliff at 150 miles per hour. We we're merely at 95 miles per hour. So that's one thought. My other thought is um, it might have to get really bad 
before we really fix yeah, it. Yeah, I'm afraid it's we're going to make it so bad, though, you can't come back. That, well, that's and sometimes the so-called fix makes things worse. You can make things bad enough financially that you're just bankrupt. There's no coming back from it. There's, you can't tighten your, tighten your belt at this point. Right. Some people die poor. You know, some countries die poor. Yeah. Anyway, our text line, you got any thoughts on that or anything else? 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. Good news at the BAFTAs. As far as I'm concerned. That's one of your, uh, gives you an idea of how the Oscars are going to turn out. Why would I possibly care as a guy who hasn't seen or even <laughs> barely even knows anything about any of these movies? I think it could be a huge geopolitical event. That ah. and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's one of the glitziest nights of the year. The biggest in British film. The BAFTAs. Always thought I was too far from grace, yeah. For Best Supporting Actor in the Female Category, a second major award win for Yu Jung-yoon for Minari. But it was her speech that brought the house down. Every award is meaningful, but this one especially recognized by British people, known as very snobbish people, and they approve me as a good actor. So I'm very, very privileged and happy. There you go. Another award show, What the World Needs. Uh, And I don't care about that at all, but I do think this is going to be a big deal. Nomadland won a whole bunch of your big awards at the British Oscars last night. And the woman that uh, wrote, edited produced and directed it, Chloe Zhao, has spoken out against China throughout her career. And when some of that stuff surfaced, China really gave her the, uh, the, the, uh, well, the China treatment that they give you there in China, where they made it much more difficult to find her film and it wouldn't allow her, uh, her acceptance speeches and that sort of stuff. And those were for award shows nobody pays any attention to. But the Oscars, as we all know, gets tons of attention. If she wins Best Picture or Best Director and gets a chance to give a speech and says something against China, calls them out for their concentration camps, or the Uyghurs, or genocide, or any of that sort of stuff, it's going to be huge. going to be, a, I think, a huge deal. Because um, Hollywood is either going to have to embrace her or denounce her. I don't think they'll get a pass. I don't think. You know, this is just my imagination working overtime, but I could see her getting halfway through her speech and her mic getting cut. By Hollywood? By Hollywood. And them saying, oh, my God, it, we're, we are so sorry. It was a technical problem. We, uh, we, we're more than happy to reprint her speech for you. Uh, we apologize to everybody concerned. Because they have so many billions and hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars, maybe. Uh, at stake in the next decade in, in China. But the powers that be in the movie business, they have no soul. There's no way it continues. It's just a matter of when it ends. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All these various companies' relationships with China. And, and, and I, think, I think Hollywood turning on China would be a huge move because that would bring, around, bring along so many of your young and lefty uh, you know, crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, to the side of being anti-China. Although it's tough for them because they really like the idea of central control. They're a little attracted to communism. 
I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how, and this was like at the time when Joe and I were college kids, when the when when the uh, PR battle against South Africa was so big uh-huh. about their apartheid and the way they treated uh, black people in South Africa, and on college campuses, that was such a huge uh, huge cause. Something like that needs to happen around China. Yeah, divest now. Something. I remember that. Where yeah. the young crowd is really pressuring your Coca-Colas and whoever to, you know, you can't be in bed with genocide and mass rape of women and that sort of stuff. Sure, as you criticize American states who are just exercising their democratic rights to pass their own laws. The best, right, I agree. Best thing ever happened in China, of course, was uh, Trump wanting to take them on. Because there are quite a few people out there that still, well, Trump didn't like China, so they must be okay. Yeah, which is so stupid. So China, you gotta hate dictators, but you gotta admit they're awfully good at it. They've launched a new PR campaign to make Xinjiang province, where they have the concentration camps, seem like Disneyland. And to make sure everybody knows the Uyghurs are as happy as can be, we'll share some of their uh, bizarre <laughs> propaganda campaign. They can have rides and the- with Music, Jack. People in animal set it to music. People in animal costumes. How are they going to do this? Uh, yeah, probably. So we got that and all sorts of good stuff. Too much to mention. It's uh, it's a weekend's worth of news and information coming your way. Text line four one five two nine five K F T C. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Our demands are that Joe Rogan cannot be broadcast talking about the following. Trans issues, because he's transphobic. Women, because he's a man, which means he's not a woman, which means he's misogynistic. Gay people, because he doesn't want to have sex with men, which makes him homophobic. Racial issues, because he's always having his black friends on his show and giving them massive publicity and help for their careers, which he only does because he's white and he feels guilty about being white, as he should, because he's a racist. MMA, because it's a sport, and sports are insensitive to paraplegics that can't play sports. Elk me, because I'm a vegan. DMT, because it's a drug, and I only take Adderall. Ideas, because they're insensitive to people who can't think. Comedy, because it's hateful to people who aren't funny. And he can never talk about how Caitlyn Jenner killed somebody with her car because I don't want to believe that it's true. So that's J.P. Sears, the hilarious red-haired fellow who brought us uh, woke and racist become best friends, commenting on uh, uh, Spotify, censoring, uh, disappearing a bunch of Joe Rogan's podcasts. You know what? uh, Do do me. What's the other one we're going to do? 28? Is that the one you like, Hanson? Yeah, go ahead, 28. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. I actually used to play basketball, but every time I missed a shot, the refs wouldn't give me any points, even though I deserved points, because I tried to get them. So I got mad at the refs for pushing an oppressive narrative of not giving people points even though they really tried for them. So I quit, because I couldn't stand being around illogical referees who were pushing a false narrative and oppressing people that they had control over because they had a whistle. They were ruining the game of basketball. So anyway, if I don't get my way here at Spotify, I'm walking out! (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty good. That is pretty good. We posted the entire video for you at armstrongandgetty.com to enjoy. So Jack and I were just talking about the uh, the, the, the uh, nomad land 
which is uh, set to win a bunch of awards, directed, written, etc., by a Chinese lady who's now living in the West, who's been very hard on the communist Chinese as well. You would be if you had a human soul. China is more than aware that they have a serious PR problem, which could turn into a financial problem because genocide will give you a bad PR uh, problem. It will. It will tend to, uh, because they produce a tremendous amount of cotton in the Xinjiang, uh, Xinjiang uh, area of they China. They actually have slaves picking cotton, and you still yes. can't get any movement <clears throat> on college campuses in America. No, because Trump was hard on China, so China must be good. Oh, boy. So anyway, what does China do about this PR problem? What you would do, Jack, you'd write and produce a musical. They've produced a, a state-produced musical inspired by the Hollywood blockbuster La La Land. It's hit China's cinemas. It portrays a rural ideal of ethnic cohesion, devoid of repression, mass surveillance, and even the Islam of its majority Uyghur population. Everything's great in Xinjiang. There's no slavery. There are no, no, well, the camps that they have, they're fun camps. Everybody likes them. So is they're, this for my <clears throat> consumption or for the people who live in China? For now, it's just for the people of China. But the rap songs, uh, the wings of songs are the, uh, is the name of this uh, big musical that the Chinese government is putting in the cinema and inviting you to see. And they, and, and you, but trust me, they'll know whether you go or not. So unbelievable. D- d- inspired by La La Land. I'm picturing, I'm Uyghur and I'm happy. I'm Uyghur and I'm free. Hey, I'm Uyghur <laughs> and I'm lucky that China's so nice to me. We like camping just like you. While we're camping, we do re-education too. We're Uyghur and we're happy and we're Oh, so free. And then what's his name? Does a tap dance with the sexy girl who was in the movie. I don't know. The movies. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Everybody goes home to their, their Chinese home with a smile on their face. I hope that, uh, the guys from South Park decide they need to take this on and stick it in oh, China's I face. That. I would they love actually that. have enough heft. They could make, maybe make a dent. So this is actually. Inspired by La La Land, the movie focuses on three men from different ethnic groups dreaming of the big time as they gather gather musical inspiration across cultures in the snow-capped mountains and desertscapes of the vast Xinjiang region. Does it have soldiers mass-raping all the women? Because that's doesn't say what, here. That's what happens in the concentration camp. Spoiler alert. That's right. Forcible sterilizing, forced labor, uh, systematic rape. That's right. Uh, I don't want to give away all the plot twists, Jack. Unbelievable. They're good at it. But that's a, that's a characteristic of dictatorships. Uh, Stalin had all sorts of art and, and drama and songs and, and uh, symphonies produced, as did Hitler and, and the rest of them. Nice. <sighs> The story of our lifetime, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And so, which side will American corporations chew? Well, choose? Spe- speaking of American corporations. So, and I got an interesting question I got, I got for you, because I don't know how I feel about this. But American corporations are not done with Georgia and voting laws and voting laws like that in other states. I'm kind of surprised by this, but it's going the other direction. Expect major pushback from CEOs on voting laws. Last week, Mitch McConnell warned American businesses to stay out of politics. Hey, uh, Republicans watch baseball, too. Republicans drink Coca-Cola, too. Good point, Mitch. Um, the call, uh, the Washington Post report, 
that a bunch of CEOs got out on a phone call, a Zoom phone call, that, that had more than 100 CEOs and corporate leaders on the Zoom call over the weekend to discuss a coordinated response against similar laws and consideration in other states. CEOs, and these are not minor people, the CEOs of uh, American Express, Merck, Pepsi-Cola, Levi Strauss, Delta, LinkedIn, Starbucks, Target. I mean, these are big-time CEOs in America, all on this Zoom call, urging others to sign a statement condemning what they view as discriminatory legislation. The Wall Street Journal reports that such a statement could be out this week in the next couple of days. The Zoom call shows that CEOs are not going to be intimidated. Uh, I mentioned some of the companies that the NFL's involved, AMC Entertainment, pretty much every big company you can think of. And what it says here, they're reporting from Axios on this Zoom call is, uh, their pushback could take the form of revoked contributions to various politicians, scrapped plans to invest in factories and other projects, and obviously, you know, uh, just the whole um, PR thing that they do. The journal notes, the Wall Street Journal notes, that the issue is almost guaranteed to continue growing in controversy, given more than 350 voting bills are under consideration in dozens of states. So this story is not over. It's just beginning. Wow. So here's my question. And I've thought of this myself, and I I, 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 I heard it on another podcast and thought, yeah, I've been thinking about this myself, but I haven't said it out loud. What What do we feel about... Because we've read, regularly heard the argument, and we've even said ourselves, these these companies that are do business with China while they've got concentration camps, but uh, you know won't do business at the All Star Game for something that is really just completely within the bounds of normal political discourse. Right. Um, and and I have I've often thought. Well, we gotta hold ourselves. We hold ourselves to different standards than we hold our, than other countries. We always have. We always will. Mm-hmm. Where, where do we draw the line on that? You can't. It's it. It would be ridiculous to make any company or any any celebrity or anybody. You're not allowed to criticize the United States unless you're ju- you hold other countries to the same standards. You, you couldn't. You couldn't do business hardly anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I I think I see your point. Uh, I mean, I'm more concerned about what's happening at home in my own family than I am some other family. And I might hang out with a guy who I don't think is a very good husband, um, but I wouldn't permit it in my house, you know, whatever sort of behavior. So let me put it this way, in a very simple way. Are you telling me because Pepsi does business in China, they're not allowed to criticize anything in the United States? What bothers me, because I actually, I agreed with Mitt Romney that corporations are a relationship. They're people. They're not their own thing. And the people within the corporation are are, uh, able and, and, and permitted to hold whatever, you know, they have the right to hold whatever opinion and express it that they want. I have no problem with that. What bothers me about what's going on right now is you have corporations saying, here is our point of view, and generally it's just the powerful within that corporation who are generally very, very well connected. So the very powerful within a corporation say, here's my point of view, and here's how we're going to enforce it, even though there's a procedure for deciding these questions. It's in the state constitutions or in our federal constitution. You can express your opinion to Atlanta or, or Georgia, rather. But when you decide to punish them somehow, 
Because you don't like the way their voters voted and their elected representatives voted, so we're going to punish you now. I have a serious problem with that because that can cut both ways. I wonder if it's just a purely cynical calculation that people on the left will boycott. They will attack. They will savage you for being on the wrong side. And people on the right generally will try to argue you out of your position. I don't know. Um... Uh, it's a great piece in The Federalist. If United thinks Georgia's voter ID law infringes on your rights, why do you need an ID to fly? My point of view, and I will repeat it probably until we're thrown off the air because we get canceled, is that if we lose faith in the fidelity of our voting, we will lose our republic. We need to err to the side of every vote cast is legit. Not, you know, some draconian poll tax crap. Just reasonable assuredness that every vote is legit. Well, and if Coca-Cola thinks that's wrong, you know, they can go to hell. It'll be interesting to see how this turns out when you have a bunch of the biggest corporations in America deciding they're going to double down on this whole thing. Are they going to be as off base as they were uh, in Georgia? Are they going to criticize things that are perfectly average or within the range of average mm-hmm. all across America? <laughs> And still act like it's Jim Crow? Are they going to do that everywhere? Is the press ever going to actually call them to account on that and say, hey, no, you got to point out you're actually wrong about that? Will that ever happen? Well, and looking a little longer term, I wonder what will happen when Americans become aware that perhaps the Democratic Party is unquestionably the party of the corporate boardroom, the, the party of the mighty, the party of the advanced degree holding white woman and the corporate CEO. That's the Democratic Party. I don't know. Um, anybody going to not drink Coke or Pepsi or Starbucks? You'd have to eliminate all of them, it looks like here. Or shop at Target or wear Levi's or fly on Delta or American Airlines or Let's go see. to a movie. Target and Delta are the only problems so far for me. Gonna be a you're gonna gonna be a lot of American companies you can't deal with. Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. You had something about jujitsu you were gonna tell us, or oh, one of our listeners, uh, uh, he's a very small pianist. <laughs> there was a T at the end. Hello, of that. Uh, he's he terrified a much bigger man, and I'll tell you how. It's kind of funny. Armstrong and Getty. The house where Lizzie Borden murdered her parents has been sold for $2 million and will be turned into a bed and breakfast. Though a bed and breakfast where a murder happened is pretty much just a day's in. Wow. No, unfair. <laughs> I would like to apologize to the good folks, the employees and owners of Days In. Does Days In have a bad rep? That's like my, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in a decent place hotel. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I hate to hit this too hard, but that sounds like a rich, big, didn't he go to Harvard yeah. or something? Colin Jost. I stay in the uh, the St. Beverly Arms boutique hotel in Manhattan. <laughs> Please. Please. Boy, the last thing the Minneapolis area needed was more widespread looting, but I suppose if you're the black community, you might just say the last thing we needed was another black man shot, un- shot dead unjustifiably by police. I don't know what happened on Saturday. 
uh, when this guy got pulled over in the afternoon. I could read you the details, but what's the point? Um, they often turn out to be different or leaving something out, you know, this close to the shooting. Maybe by, but later this week we'll have more information. I don't know. But a guy got pulled over and got shot, and he's black. Um, so there was rioting uh, Saturday night, or, or, or last night, rather, um, and into the morning, and they actually had to call out the National Guard there in uh, Minnesota. And how bad was the looting? Well, it was, it was it was pretty bad, and I'll bet a lot of these places were looted before. Looting was widespread late Sunday into early money, not just in Brooklyn Center, which is a suburb of Minneapolis, about 30,000 people, uh, but spilling into Minneapolis itself. Several businesses around Walmart were completely destroyed. Completely wow. destroyed, including a Foot Locker, a T-Mobile, and a New York men's clothing store. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reported. So you have businesses completely destroyed. That's why that's when you call in the National Guard. I wonder what the preparedness is going to look like uh, when the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin uh, verdict is nearing. It's probably going to look like Washington, D.C., excuse me, like an armed camp. Wright was shot after trying to drive away from officers who pulled him over for an outstanding warrant, police said. It was not immediately clear what the warrant was for. Right, he got back in his car and started to drive away, and they shot him. So, don't know. There are, there are not enough facts known at this point to form any sort of judgment. And his, you know, mother, think... his mother tearfully told reporters that her son was pulled over because he had air fresheners in her car, and there are laws against having air fresheners hanging from your rearview mirror. All he did was have an air freshener in the car, and they told him to get out of the car. He had outstanding warrants, ma'am. Now, that doesn't mean he deserved to get shot, but... But again, it, I don't have any idea. This could have been 100% justifiable or a cold-blooded murder. I don't have the slightest idea, so I'm not going to say anything. Well, and there are different forums to consider these things. There's the street forum where the facts have no significance. None. Nobody cares. Here, I would like to understand what happened and perhaps offer uh, some thoughts on what should have happened or could have happened or whether it was justified. But in terms of the violence in the streets, no, none, none of that matters. Hands up, don't shoot, Michael F- Brown Ferguson never happened. How it's did, just fictional. I'm not sure how destroying the footlocker helps anybody, helps anything. Because you get a bunch of shoes for free. Come on. So, uh, oh boy. Do we have time for this? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, good morning, guys. I refer to you as my J&J vaccine. Single shot of you gets me uh, through what is often a crazy far-left liberal-filled day. Here's why. I'm a musician at Arizona State University, writes Anonymous. I'm a rare conservative among the musicians. Uh, I know how you feel, brother. And grew up listening to your show, my dad and brother. I've even turned my wife into a friend of Armstrong and Getty in recent years. Uh, I had this experience. Another teacher at the university and I were meeting this week for the first time in person in a year. And though we're both fully vaccinated, he was still triple masking and shied away from me into the corner of the room the entire conversation. I don't know if it's my extreme physical presence at 5'10", 150 pounds, or his well over six foot, 200 pound frame. I don't think that was the case. I've been living my life for the past three months as if the virus is essentially gone, as are many Arizonans. But his obvious fear of another human being led me to wonder. If this full-grown adult is so scared of human interaction, what's going to happen is more and more of our kids get back in person, having been conditioned to fear all those around them for the last year. Just concerning to me. All that said, he was also wearing a skirt, eyeliner, and had dyed his hair pink to match his three masks. 
So maybe this isn't the best example of what real-world America will be like as we return to normal. Probably not. I think that's rather an unfair and harsh judgment of the fellow just because of his fashion sense. I saw some polling that uh, makes sense when you think about it, but so people who are the... The kind that are most likely to get the vaccine and get it as quickly as possible are also the crowd that is the most likely to want to keep wearing masks and think the pandemic is still scary. The crowd that refuses to get the vaccine is also the crowd that won't wear a mask or socially distance. So those are conundrums. Wow. Yeah. And as usual, I I don't fit neatly. I wanted to get the vaccine as soon as possible. But I'm not particularly fearful about the vid. I think we're we're on the mend. Plus, unless you're 80, you just don't have much to fear. Okay, I still wear my mask, and I'll keep wearing my mask uh, for a while. Anyway, it's just it's not that hard. Right, right. And I just don't want to freak people out. I walked into a business the other day, and I was like, Oh God, I don't have my mask. Do you guys have any masks? And they did. They had the cheapo uh, medical mask. I said, I've had all my shots. I couldn't give it to you if I wanted to. But you know, weird times. It's fine. It's fine. You Nobody's had all your shirt shots. Have you been dewormed? <laughs> <laughs> and I got my Parvo shot, so I'm safe to go to the dog park now. But you're still licking yourself, I see. So <laughs> until I can't anymore. Bring out the cone. <laughs> yeah, we gotta put a cone on you. You're You'll never put that thing on me alive. <laughs> it's funny when you try to run through a door with the cone on, though. I really enjoy that. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> 